welcome to Backlist and a Chill Podcast Season 2. Oh yeah, we started a new author, so I guess that is a new season, huh? Mm-hmm. More vampire, more better. We are jumping in on Amelia Atwater Rhodes, and uh, the first one is In the Forests of the Night. What are you drinking in honor of In the Forests of the Night? So I wanted to drink something tiger related because yes. duh. So I found a recipe that somebody called Tiger's Blood, which mm-hmm. is maybe a little uh, morbid, but you know, it's <laughs> a little fine. on the mark, perhaps a little bit. But yeah, it is. So it's it's actually really good. So it is watermelon minute made soda. Ooh, a strawberry daiquiri frozen packet thingy. Yep, ginger ale. Okay. Okay, and. It, requests Malibu rum, but I also uh-huh. have the Paris Bay pineapple here, so if I get sick of the coconut, then I can swap it out. Very nice. But yeah, it is super yummy. It sounds delicious. And you mm-hmm. didn't have any orange juice in there, I noticed. No, I didn't. I had orange juice options, but I was like, no, I'm going to find no. something else. All right. Well, I'm I'm excited. I'm glad that that, because it sounds delicious. It looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like that nice watermelony color yeah, going on really there. Yeah, it's really pretty. I like that. Well, uh, you usually do orange juice. I usually do absinthe because it's the only fucking booze in my house. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's a a Hemingway drink with absinthe called Death in the Afternoon. And it is absinthe with sparkling wine. And that was my initial thought was that I would grab like some sparkling wine or something. But then no debit card. Oops. So, (laughs) So instead of sparkling wine, uh, I'm going to make some shit up. And I'm putting uh, Canada Dry Ginger Ale yeah, with bro-fist. lemonade. Mm-hmm. So we're both doing ginger ale, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm calling this Undeath in the afternoon. Yeah, that's right. Yes, indeed. So we're going to crack this shit open. I think it's going to be okay because it's usually you do water and sugar. I mean, this is basically sugar mm-hmm. water, right? Sugar water with some ginger. I mean, hey, this is our first backlist podcast, original cocktail, TM, TM, TM. Fuck yes. Mmm, smells pretty good. Let's taste it. Mm-hmm. It tastes really close to black licorice Easter jelly beans. Okay, is that a good, a bad? You know, I, I love black licorice jelly beans. It's interesting okay. that previous absinths with just sugar and water tasted less like black licorice jelly beans. So, intriguing. It has a, a kind of weird aftertaste. I would call it like a flat note. Okay. I don't know if that's the ginger or the lemon. We'll find out. Hmm. But all right, drinkable. Definitely not curdling in my stomach. Yay. Pop, 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 you did it. I did it. I made a thing. Undeath in the afternoon, folks. You did. Canada dry ginger ale with lemonade and absinthe. One part absinthe, two parts ginger ale lemonade. You can make your own. (laughs) You can. All right. Let's converse. Uh Uh-huh. In the forest of the night. Dead of Shadows, book number one, Amelia Atwater Rhodes. This book, uh, this was published on May 11th, 1999. So it is almost exactly 20 years old. Like this, this book was like out probably in ARC form by now, 20 years ago. Is old. Uh, you're reading, and it's gorgeous. You're reading a nice hardcover. Can you, can you tell me, is that a first edition? No, I'm pretty sure we had this discussion before. Okay. And it was not... Because you know edition. I love first edition hardcovers. I know. No, it's... 
I don't remember how we determined that. So if you've opened to the inside part with the copyright and all that, mm-hmm. at the bottom mm-hmm. there should be a string of ten numbers. Mm-hmm. What's the last number? Two. Okay, so that's a second edition, which is still awesome. Hmm. Okay, I like, got That you. means that's the first reprinting. I have a first edition paperback. So it's it smells nice. Mmm, 20-year-old paper. <laughs> so good. There was a point last night when I was reading, and I just was like, because it was close to my face because I didn't have my glasses on, and I'm like, <laughs> I did this oh, paper. It's so good. <laughs> I did. I, got, I caught a whiff, and then yeah. I was like, mmm, yeah, it can be like more. Mmm, deliciousness, that, that earthy, <laughs> papery smell of goodness. It smells like a bookstore. Yes. I love it. I love it. These days, bookstores, not so much smelling like that because the books don't sit there very long. Make me it sad. smells like a used bookstore. Yeah. All right. So now that we've discussed how delicious these, these old books are. Yep. Shall we discuss what this book is about? Sure. Do you want to read the blurb? Shall I read the blurb? Uh, you read the blurb because I want to read the prologue in its Ooh, entirety. Right. Because it's like a hundred fucking words. All right. I'm not sure if the blurb changes from which to what. I know, this will be interesting. I'll look at what's on the back of my book. Well, mine doesn't even... This is, this is interesting. Mine doesn't have any information. Oh, yeah. It just has her picture, right? Yep, just a full back page, author photo, cover illustration by Eric Denier, author photo by Jean Renard. Super hope you know what this book is about, because we're not telling <laughs> you shit. It's paperback. You kids already got it. Five bucks. Take a chance. Roll the dice. <laughs> All right. By day, Rasika sleeps in shaded room in Concord, Massachusetts. By night, she hunts the streets of New York City. She is used to being alone. But someone is following Rasika. He has left her a black rose, the same sort of rose that sealed her fate 300 years ago. 300 years ago, Rasika had a family, a brother and a father who loved her. 300 years ago, she was human. Now, she is a vampire, a powerful one but her past has come back to torment her. That's the blurb, making no mention of the sister. Oh, I mean, the sister is not, like, important Isn't she, though? No. Isn't she? She not is, even sets a off, little. She, I'm gonna, alright, as we get along, I'm gonna make a case for why Lynette is important. Alright, fine. I will, but not yet. Okay. But we'll get there. But, no, so I have a question. I have a question. Hand, hand in the air. Pick me, pick me. Uh, mm, uh, down in the front, Senna, yes? Okay, yes, yeah, so... It says that someone is following her and leaving her a black rose. I don't think that's true. I I agree. I also don't think that's true. Because someone is following her and someone did leave a black rose. Yes. But those are two different people. This is true. Somebody else has left her fucking notes she won't goddamn read. (laughs) Notes that she won't read and notes that are so blurred by tears that they are unreadable. Unreadable. What? But she can read... Her old fucking name. She can read her name, but she can't read what's written, presumably longer, right like beneath that. But yeah. that somebody has used as a someone might have said like Rachel, meet me at the blah 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 blah. No, it's just Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was the point. Maybe like they know that they can read emotions and shit off of paper. <laughs> Maybe it's just like Rachel. This is my message. Rachel, have my tears. Like, what happened? Rachel, and I licked it. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) 
I understand you can read my emotions. Oh my god. No, that's so bad because I can get so much worse. You're just like, <laughs> Rachel. Fat, 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 fat. <laughs> Rachel, I wiped my ass with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is how they communicate in this world. That'd be great if vampires communicate kind of like dogs. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the way they're described, right? No, I love it. I love it. Rachel, hmm, this seems to have been stepped on by your sweaty-ass feet. Rachel, I use this as a tampon. <laughs> I no longer menstruate, but... <laughs> Just in case Gross. you were there. <laughs> Just in case you were there, I wish you were here. I mean, that's such a weird mixed message. Uh, <laughs> stupid. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, <laughs> Backlist and chill. Day drinking. Alright, uh, anyway. All right. Yes, so, uh, I agree. Uh, someone is following her. Someone has left her a black rose. Uh, the sister is important, and I stand yeah, by yeah, that, yeah. even though... You, well, I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I hear that, uh, young student, you would like to read for the class? Yes. Alright, I'm ready. Everyone open to page negative anything. Hold on. Four, three, two... Oh, it is, in fact, page one. It's just not labeled. Weird. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Prologue. Now. A cage of steel. It is a cruel thing to do, to cage such a beautiful, passionate animal as if it were only a dumb beast, but humans do so all too often. They even cage themselves, though their bars are made of society, not steel. The Bengal tiger is gold with black stripes through its fur, and it is the largest of the felines. The sign reads, Panthera tigris tigris. It is simply a fancy name for tiger. I call this one Tora. She is my favorite animal in the zoo. Tora walks towards me as I approach her cage. The minds of animals are different from the minds of humans, but I have spent much time with Tora, and we know each other well. Though the thoughts of animals can rarely be translated into human thought, I understand her, and she understands me. Such a beautiful animal should not be caged. That's the prologue. So, 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 so. Please. These are fucking right there in the, like, nostalgia point for me, but... I knew this fucking prologue <laughs> word for fucking word. I still know it. I could close my eyes and recite at least the first paragraph it for fucking 20 years. <laughs> this fucking prologue. I swear to God. Oh, man. So you're reading it and you're like, uh-huh. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know this. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Go on. I'm with you. So every every stuffed tiger that I had after this was named Tora. Oh. <laughs> Which means goddess. Does it? Mm-hmm. I looked it up because I wanted to know if there was a reason. I'm like, please don't say the sign reads Panthera Tigris Tigris and it's a fancy word for tiger and then have Tora mean tiger. Me tiger. I, sort <laughs> of, I never looked it up. I just sort of assumed that's what it meant. <laughs> no, it means goddess, which is, is much better than fancy word for tiger. This is true. Uh, but yeah, so this this is my fucking fundamental DNA right uh, here. You have major nostalgia points. I really do. I realized reading it, like, I cannot be objective about this. I'm, like, sitting right. there, like, is this prose good? I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell. 
there's some points where I know that's a little, you know, that's a little over the top. You're a little purple here. Huh? A little pur- yeah. But then the rest of it, I'm like, I don't know, this feels kind of good. But like, 14 year olds aren't good at writing. What are you talking right. about? <laughs> yeah, like definitely from, so I'm able to be more objective because I have no nostalgia on, <laughs> on this book. Because there's a lot of times where it's like, da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, uh, this writing. And then sometimes mm-hmm. it's very pretty, and then sometimes it's very overwrought. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, woof, okay, you can see that this was like a 13-year-old writing this story. Oh, yeah, for sure. The cage of society. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very much so. Like, we but it's, it's to... right there, too. You know, like, it's it's up front. Yeah. No, it's just, you're, you're up front with your fucking thesis. A beautiful animal shouldn't be caged. You like the tiger. You the like the late, tiger. Humans it. are terrible. We're good. Yeah, yeah. We know what the story's about. Let's go. Um, there's a part later on where Ruthie goes like, yeah, and then I just sit on the counter because you can't tell me to sit in a chair. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, Chairs, yeah, not me. Teenage rebellion right there. Just sit on the counter. Sit on the table. While She's like random. 17, basically, eternally. Yeah. So, like, yeah, there are parts where it's like that, but there are also parts where I'm like, this is pretty good. I feel like this is pretty yeah, good. Yeah, there's some pretty heavy shit in there. Yeah, and, like, the overall theme of the whole thing in terms of, like, Rachel slash Ruzika refusing to let the men in her life define her anymore, like, mm-hmm. I'm super on board with that. Especially for something like a 14-year-old's writing. I'm like, fuck yeah, yeah. this is good. Yeah, that like ultimately the whole thing is about I'm gonna break free from the men in my life controlling my opinion of myself. Right, and it's like specifically the men too, because there are some like where she talks about Ather, and she's like, I don't like Ather, but I don't blame Ather or hate Ather. Right, I'm not gonna jump to her defense, but it's like Aubrey. I hate Aubrey. <laughs> Aubrey hath personally wronged me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like that. I feel like narratively, I... Because reading it again, I was like, Ather just disappears from the narrative. And that's... Oh, yeah. I don't like that because it makes the women in her life very unimportant. And that's also where, like, the whole, oh, a father and a brother, but definitely not a sister. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a lot of internalized misogyny in her life. But also, meanwhile, she's dealing with straight-up toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. She basically just hates everyone. She definitely does not, like, form connections with other women, and that doesn't really, like, pull her through. But I really feel like it's significant that, like, the ones that she's rejecting are all dudes. Yeah. She forms connections with animals. It's good that the animal that she connected with is a, a female tiger, a tigress. She forms zero connections with women, has a little bit of internalized girl hate on that. But is ultimately like, fuck dudes. Dudes are awful. This dude in particular, awful. <laughs> this dude, my brother, my, my brother, brother, still not really. Dude, can I just tell you how much less I liked fucking Alexander this read? Dude. Jesus oh, Christ. One of my notes is Alexander is a dick. He's the worst. <laughs> He's awful and I hate him. Okay. All right. So let's. Sorry. I'm glad no, please. Glug, glug, glug. Drink that tiger's blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, this story is told back and forth between the now, which is the late 90s, and then, which is... uh, So 1701, she's changed into a vampire. 1704 is the last bit of her past that she's currently, like, thinking Mm -hmm. about. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. The book is 140 pages, 147. Let me see. 
mine's 147. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's very short, which is good because it means you can finish. Like I finished this in like less than two hours, and I don't read very fast. So uh, it took me like three, but I was also stopping to tweet a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> I was just reading. I was just reading right through because they're very like I was thinking to myself. I'm like, man, if I just read one page a minute, but then I'm like. These pages are so short. They're very short. I love the font. I've always loved oh the font on these. Oh my god. I was talking to David about this and I was like, yeah, I know the font. I was obsessed with the font. Oh yeah, when other books started using this font, I was like, mm-hmm. hey. I was like, no, no, no. That's, uh, these, I know. this font conjures a very specific feeling. This is this font for this person. <laughs> right. These are this person's books, not yeah. your books. I'm pretty sure I did some research at one point on this font because I was just like, this is so pretty. What's it called? And either this one or Demon, maybe it was like specifically made for these really? books. There's something. Maybe it's the maybe it's the ch- the chapter fonts or something, but something one of the one of them the font was like, I don't know, Cochin something. Cochin is the font that the most of the text is set in. Okay. But yeah, one of the styles of fonts was specifically designed for these books. It's amazing. I mean, that makes a lot of sense cuz I did not see a font that looked like this until after. And then I was like doing a double take like, wait, is that Cochin? <laughs> right like where hello i recognize your your nice little little bumps and curves what's going on no it is really like, we're a beautiful. bunch of weirdos man yeah right we're like I mean, books and their fonts and then fucking cliff nielsen yeah i really mean it though like if you are on our whatever i'll take a picture of the font like it's <laughs> beautiful the fucking italics of this font are mm. amazing mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of production that went into this book that was just and the cover we haven't talked about the cover it had a nice the hardcover you got the hardcover tell us about the hardcover the hardcover is great like i love this type of hardcover because it's not the big gigantic thing it's like tiny and mass market slightly bigger than mass market Mm -hmm. but it's got like that nice hardcover there's no slip cover or anything over that's my favorite part about this yeah it's just the cover is printed directly on yeah no it's it's amazing i love these i wish i wish so much that they made more like this yeah honestly wish that because i know that there's a big push for the past like i don't know 15 years for bigger longer books and things like that right Mm -hmm. but sometimes you just kind of want to read a little book you know I appreciate the 150, 200 page books. They, let's see, mine says it cost $4.99 for my paperback. Yeah, mine's $8.95. Yeah, like five bucks for a book. I, I wish we did more of that these days. So I do love that they are not necessarily in YA, but um, the adult sci-fi and fantasy are getting really good about publishing novellas. And Ooh, I love nice. that. I love that so much because it's, I've read more fucking novellas, you know, in the past mm-hmm. few years than I have. Novels, because you just pick up, they're like low time commitment. If it yeah. sucks, it's not that a too. huge drain on your life. Right? I hate when people are like, no, it gets good. And you're like, I don't you can just whip through them and then you're done and then you're like fuck yeah i read a fucking book can yeah. check that off my list accomplished something today yep and that's same thing with this like 147 pages there are novellas that size yeah so it's a good thing and this was a big old hit when it came out more so once the second book came out and then suddenly there were two of them like that was it was no longer just kind of a fluke you know 
where they were able to be like, we've got this one book, but now we also have two books. And and soon we'll have four. Yeah. And uh, you heard about it, you know? It Mm -hmm. was, here's its author. They really talked about her being 13 at the time, even though when the book came out, she was 15. But it was was big. I mean, I felt bad for the ways in which, like, you're 13. (laughs) You're about to have your whole life run by being, like, the writer girl. But, you know, you accomplish a thing, and and it was a hit, and it was everywhere, and for five fucking bucks, why not? Like, people were reading it. I have met so many people over the years who were like, oh yeah, I remember reading that book. There are authors these days, younger authors in their, like, 20s, late 20s, who will say, you know, Amelia Atwater Rhodes, I saw she was a teenager when she started publishing, and that made me feel like, oh wow, teenagers can get published? I'm gonna start writing too. Yeah. I think it's fucking cool. It's a, it's a really interesting legacy to to put on a stamp of the YA genre. Because also a lot of those authors ended up being YA authors. Or teenage writers and whatever. Ended up being that. So, yeah. It's fucking cool. There's a lot of interesting meta around this author and this book in particular. Mm-hmm. So. Alright, now that we've gushed a little bit about <laughs> that. It's a pretty simple story. It's just Rasika who was previously Rachel. Rachel what? Rachel, what is her fucking uh, last name? How uh, do you pronounce it? Dude, Please fuck, that's me. in my that's in my notes too, right? Okay. okay. So we get to her fucking name and it's spelled <laughs> W-E-A-T-E-R-E. Yes. What the fuck is that? What do you All pronounce? Right. That's not Which a real vowels? name. It's not a real name. Alright, and I fucking hate in books and fanfic and anything else written by younger people the fucking made up last names i hate them because usually if i can't pronounce it i'll go look up a goddamn name and be like how do i pronounce your name (laughs) um and because i want to know because i don't want to say it incorrectly i think this was a fucking misspelling (laughs) not in the book i don't think the book misspelled it i think the name came from a misspelling okay because there's no way this isn't a name. This doesn't even have, like, I did fucking ancestry searches trying to see if it was like, oh, it's a not common variation of this name. No, there's nothing. This name isn't real. Yeah, so I literally just Googled it, and the first thing that came up was Rosika Wetero or Wetterweeder or whatever. Yeah. Profiles on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So, the way I always pronounce it, because I think it's it's funny because her dad's name is Peter, mm-hmm. uh, is Weeder. <laughs> In my head, it's just Peter Weeder. <laughs> that's amazing. Yep, that's the way I've always pronounced it. I've, I looked at it last night, and I think it could be Watera or Wetter or Weeter, but, like, it looks like a misspelling of, like, weather. It does. Uh, so I read this a bajillion times, you know, right? And every time I got to that name... I would be... Pulls you right the fuck out. No, I was just like, Rachel, what, what, weird, or what? Right? Just it like eight you. times, just trying to figure it out. And then just like, Rachel something, doesn't matter, keep moving. Rachel. Mm. Like, you're in fucking Concord in, you're born in 1684, and your name isn't like fucking Smith. Right, there are a bunch of nice colonial names. Look up. Some goddamn people who lived in Concord. And you can just... Concord. Mass. Born. 1684. Clicking it. Google. Tell me what you got. Wood? Google got wood. Stratton? 
any of these things. Wheeler. Rachel Wheeler. She could just have been Rachel Wheeler. Alan. Joyce. Like, all of these things. All of these nice, easy fucking names. I know Google didn't exist back then. But it gives me nothing. It gives me no information on where her family is from originally. Because it's 1684, right? Her father may have been born here, but her grandparents definitely were not. So where the fuck are you from? Weeder, Watera, doesn't give me any information. I just assumed it was some ye old English name that I had never it's heard not. of before. Nope, it's nothing. Anyway. I love that we spent like 10 minutes being like, this fucking last name. <laughs> what is it? Where did it come from? What, what is it, it? Mean? But I hate that. I really do. Like, and I love that both of us had this as a note. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is when you're like, like, I was obsessed with this fucking book. I read it a bajillion times. Like, I want to know how to pronounce this fucking name. Yeah, you want to say it correctly. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is that you could look at these names and think you know what they are mm-hmm. and then be wrong. Yes, you could. I learned that when I went through the pronunciation guide that I can't find. It was like, oh, that person's name isn't pronounced like it's spelled, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, then. Oh, that J's a Y. How about that? Well, that that's that's fair. Like, that's fair, right? Like, Except I, if you're a teenager. Well, I who doesn't know Who doesn't know other languages and or isn't familiar with fucking Jägermeister. I guess it's true. That is true. But I was looking at it today and I was like, I probably pronounced that like Jagger when I was yeah. young. Yeah. Oh, I definitely did too. Like, I was like 17 or something when I read this book and I was like, Jagger. Or Jager even, because <laughs> there's right. one G, you know, like either way. And then one day hearing it pronounced Jager and I'm like, huh, he's Egyptian, but he's using the German word for hunt. Oh my God. I didn't know that. That's that, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, Jaeger is Hunter. Mm. Yeah, Jaeger, Jaeger. I mean, it's like all the Jaegers in um, Pacific Rim and things like that. Oh, I guess that's true, huh? Yep. Alright. Well, you're 13, it's fine. Right, you see a word on a bottle in your parents', you know, liquor cabinet, and you go, that sounds cool. You're 13, you're looking up synonyms for stuff to name people. It's just how it works. Yep. It is. Anyway. So this book. What are we talking about? Alright, so I love that you read the whole prologue because one of my first notes on this book is that I was pretty impressed where I get to page five or so, mm-hmm. and we've, we've got our cage of steel, we've got our beautiful tiger, you know, it shouldn't be trapped, humans are trapped by society, yep, yep, gotcha. <laughs> and then, page three, four, and five. We get so much goddamn information, I'm impressed about like vampire powers so within five very short pages like this is we're talking this is like maybe 500 words total right Mm -hmm. we learn that she can talk and she can talk to animals and like read their thoughts and shit right she can turn into a hawk a golden hawk this will come back make humans sleep she can read people's minds she can talk into people's minds things like that she tells us she could instantly teleport using her mind. Uh, and actually, that's all learned by page three. Like, that's not even by ta- page five. By page five, we know that vampires don't burn in the sun, but they do tend to sleep during the day and that, like, the sunlight will hurt their eyes because it's very bright. Uh, we learn they've got a very faint reflection and some of them have no reflection in her particular line. And we learn that, like, they've got a very strong sense of smell, 
which I'll talk about in a second. Uh-huh. Um, like, that's a lot of information. Very fast. Like, that's a huge amount of world building. See, that's that's part of the whole, like, interview with the vampire thing, though, because she just tells you. She just tells She's you. She's like, we can do this, this, this. This doesn't affect me. This doesn't... I'm like, who are you talking to, Rizika? Right? Who is asking us. you She's these questions? She's talking to us. So when reading this, thinking back to when I first... The first couple of times I read it, where I think I've always kind of been impressed with how fast the information comes out. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, there is that sense of, who is this for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are just talking to me now. Yeah. But it's great, because you just, you have the info now, and you're like, alright, you can turn into a hawk. Got it. I'm not going to question it. This was just sort of a thing that books with vampire protagonists sort of did, right? Where yes. there's just like... Yeah, I this don't, is my powers. Don't bother me, mm-hmm. silly humans. You believe this, but actually, yeah. this is true. Which side note: Are Amelia's vampires the most overpowered? I think yes. Oh uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> you will not find a more OP except for maybe Twilight when they're like, no. "No, nothing hurts us. We're fine." These fucking vampires, they can do literally anything with their minds. Yeah, it's specifically this line. Other ones have different shit, but these guys are fucking powerful. I mean, they all have the ability to teleport, though. They all have the ability to just change the way they look by thinking about it. Like, do they all? I know. I think it's just this. This. I think it's just Rasika's line. Is it? I, it's I just don't think it all line, do yeah. that. No, I don't think so. Because like know. the midnight ones don't change their uh, appearances. Well, this is something I'll have to pay attention. Only to. Only Jaguar, just... because he was a fucking jaguar in life. We'll get to him in book four. God. Anyway. I will I will pay more attention to this because I had just always sort of taken it as a given that they could all do this shit. Yeah, no. And that was something that was kind of confusing, the idea that, like, there are multiple lines of vampires. I mean, that's cool. It's a cool world-building feature, but it was strange in this book to be learning about a specific line being told there are other lines and this is what my line does. Like That's fair. From an editor's standpoint... Like, if I wasn't talking to this this young person and being like, oh, good, you've got all these other books, great. If it was just, hey, we're trying to pitch this book, I'd be like, you need to just fucking get rid of all the other lines, deal with it later, don't talk about it. This is just what vampires do. <laughs> I understand that from, like, a, like clearly, you know, I, I thought, oh, everybody can do this, but, you know. Exactly. Uh, so I was trying to, like, suss out exactly why I find all of this so fucking appealing. <laughs> and I like... The sort of hints that we get of wider shit world going on in the yeah, like she talks about the trist trist set trist day that's stupid. I'm gonna keep calling them trysts. Uh, what it looks like it looks like trist day. <laughs> like she talks about the trysts and she talks about she mentions the character from the second book. Like I forgot, I forgot that got mentioned. I remember that. Vividly. I forgot. But yeah, so you just kind of get this hint of a wider world, even though this book is intensely focused Personal. on her. Uh, and I think that's interesting. It's a very small story that does a good job of being like, there's more than just me. I mean, given that she has like a wiki to explain <laughs> all of the different creatures in this book and how they work and in this world and, and what languages they speak, you know, it's, it's a yeah. good introduction. Yeah, I, I think so, because it, it's not like, hello, welcome to this world, I'm going to info dump on you. It's, I'm going to hint that there's other stuff, but mostly, let's talk about me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and my problems. 
I think it's Shattered Mirror before we really get into, like, these vampires who are distinct from these vampires. Because Demon in My View yeah. is about Aubrey, who is another one in the same line. So, like... Yeah. Shattered Mirror, we start dealing with witches strongly, and we deal with a different separate line of vampires. Mm-hmm. Okay, so something I wanted to say before we move on. Yes. There was this line about how uh, garlic being too potent, right? Mm-hmm. And how the sense of smell is 20 times that of a bloodhound. I looked it up. Because I was like, that's got to be real uncomfortable. Bloodhounds can find a scent up to 300 hours later. They have 40 times that of a human sense of smell. So does that mean that, like, her sense of smell is 800 times a human sense of smell? Uh, listen, don't worry about it. I can't. <laughs> I can't not. I'm so confused because she hunts in the goddamn city. I assume that it is a thing, sort of like in World of Darkness, where you where just you kind of turn, turn it off, off and turn it on. Yeah. Right. It better be, because I'm so sorry for all of these goddamn vampires <laughs> living and hunting in cities. Like, I would not want to talk to anyone or anything. I would live under the fucking ocean, <laughs> like, where I didn't have to breathe. I mean, I don't have to breathe yeah. anyway. Maybe that's how they deal Maybe with it. Maybe that is. That is fair. But they have to breathe to talk. Like, that's at least established. Yes, this is true. It seems something closer to that of, like, half a bear's sense of smell. (laughs) Yeah, I assume they could just turn it off and turn it on because... Because she kind of does that with her, like, aura perception, right? Like, she sort of turns that off and on. Mm, No, she dampens her own aura. She constantly is aware of others' auras. Okay. Either way, uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel like garlic isn't the only thing you would avoid if that was the Mm -hmm. reason that you avoided garlic. Right? I would not be going to coffee shops. I would not be going to these goddamn clubs. Like... Oh, yeah. No, you wouldn't be walking the streets in New York. You'd be drowning in piss 24-7. Right? You would be like, I'm gonna just not talk. (laughs) Maybe this is why they're using their mind so much. Because they're like, oh, God. (laughs) Can we just move this to to fucking text? Thank you. Everyone was so relieved when they invented text. I'm like, oh, thank God, we don't have to talk anymore. I don't have to use my nose or mouth to take in air to use it to, to yell at you. I can just send you angry gifts. <laughs> uh, okay. So I had some other complaints. Okay. This tiger, right? She lands, we, real, we learn, you know, like a chapter or so later. Mm-hmm. She lands to feed and she's landing to feed in New York City, mm-hmm. which means she's passed New York to visit the tiger. Because the idea of, I land once to feed, it's very casual. It's not like, I fly off to feed and then move on. Mm-hmm. It's got this sense to it of time. Like on the way. Yeah. So she's visiting the tiger, which means probably North Jersey. There is a zoo there. This is more information than the author probably like thought about i doubt that that she was like well i know the zoo in north jersey like so probably in jersey to visit visit this tiger landing in new york city why doesn't she just go visit a tiger she lives in concord there's zoos in massachusetts yeah like go to fucking boston you're literally taunting any other vampire that might exist by flying across the whole goddamn state and into new york So I assumed when she said she stopped in New York City to feed, I assumed that this tiger was at like the fucking Bronx Zoo or something. I assumed that she went to New York to visit this tiger and then just like on the way back was like, all right, I'm going to grab food here at this Wendy's and then I'm going to head out. 
if on the way back, my thought is, if you're going to the Bronx Zoo, you're probably stopping in, like, Western Mass on the way home. Right. I don't like Bronx Zoo, Central Park Zoo. I don't exactly know how New York's laid out or where she stops to feed. But, right. like... I just wish I knew. I wish it was, like, <laughs> I stopped in the, you know, Tora lives in Jersey and I live in Massachusetts, but for some fucking reason I want to fly <laughs> what would take a car ride eight hours. <laughs> I was very confused as to why she was visiting a tiger so far away like did she meet the tiger before she moved to massachusetts is right we get no backstory was the tiger moved like why are you going so far out of your way to visit this tiger is this the closest zoo that has a tiger wouldn't any tiger do why don't you love all tigers (laughs) yeah and like the way the story is set so if you're not from massachusetts or new england or something which i am god damn it feel god damn it it can feel like I flew to Concord, and it seems like, geographically in one's head, it's not that far. And it's just outside. That You know, Concord is right near New York City, clearly. Maybe it's a couple hours flight, and I'm flying, and I'm having a good time. Which would put it in, like, Connecticut, which it is not. It is not in Connecticut. You just forget the other states exist. Okay, so I... Look, you're a vampire. You can teleport. Distance means nothing to you. Fine. Right. But she flies as a hawk home, which I get it. You enjoy flying. But yeah, now distance matters. Then the question again becomes, how did you find this tiger? How did you find this tiger? Why this tiger? I think it'd be really cool to be like, because she does mention that, you know, over the years she's been, you know, the distant relative granddaughter of many people. And that's how she got this particular house as well. So it's like, okay, clearly you have moved around. It would have been interesting to be like, oh, you know, I was the distant daughter in like, you know, some part of New York and it was right near the zoo and that's how I met the tiger. Like, two two fucking paragraphs of information about I have lived all over the world or whatever. But, you know, the past couple of years I have been back here in Concord and I had to leave my beloved Torah, but I still visit her. Listen, like, even one line. Just like, recently I've made myself the long-lost daughter of X. Yes. And that's like, okay, then that implies that you were somewhere else before. Gotcha. Yeah. Instead you get this feeling like, Man, she's making a real long trip for this tiger, huh? You should get a real long trip. And also, we know that your history is from Concord, Massachusetts, and that you're currently living in Concord, Massachusetts. There's no sense of change for her. Right. Like, there's no sense that she has lived anywhere but Concord. That is a good question, because she does talk about going to different places, but again... They're teleport vampires, so she can just go places. It doesn't mean she lived anywhere else. So, like, has she just lived in Concord for 300 years? I don't think she has. I I think she's moved around trying to, like, put some time and some distance between herself and whatnot. I would like to think this is her first time back living in Concord for maybe a couple of years. That's also relevant, because if it's her first time back to Concord in a few years, then, like... Maybe that's why Alexander is just now approaching her. Right, maybe he sees her there. It makes more sense as, like, a catalyst than... But, you know, they're very casual about, like, "Mm, who knows how long I've been here. I'm not gonna say. Who knows? I'll leave again when the humans seem like, uh, you don't age a whole lot. But also, like, that's one of those tropes in vampire books that drive me up a wall. Where they're like, I leave because people will start to notice I don't age. Motherfucker, people just go... Wow, you look really good for your age. Yeah, I've got, you know, like, my mom will always look young, so I guess I always look young, too. I mean, there is, especially if you're a teenager, there is a certain point where they're like, you know, ever get to the point where you hit puberty, kid? 
Yeah, and, like, we chatted a little bit about that with, like, Silver Kiss, where, like, Christopher, he's little. He has to keep moving. Yeah. He's got, like, a year in any location. <laughs> where Rasika, she could probably stay somewhere for, like, ten years. Maybe, maybe 20. Maybe. Well, she's 17. Again, I think that a lot can be done with makeup and clothing. And honestly, they can use illusions as we learn later this on. This is true. This is true. She's just She can make herself look whatever way she wanted. <laughs> this is, that is 100% true. She mm. does not actually have to move. She could stay in the same house and just get older and then be mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. oh, my niece is going to come and stay here for a while. Mm-hmm. Look younger again. Be like, yes, I'm watching my grandmother's house. Oh, my grandmother is back, you know, uh, tomorrow. I Oh, no, I've got to head out early. Okay. Grandmother comes back. <laughs> grandmother has a fucking heart attack. Doesn't have a pulse. All right. That's fine. Shows back up again. Now I have the house. She just runs like a sitcom scam. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on Rasika. So headcanon, she lived in, like, North Jersey for a while and went to the zoo and had to move because she just got older. And the tiger, tigers can live a long time. So met the tiger towards the end of her time living in North Jersey and then had to move and was like, I'm going to move back to Concord. And then was like, I regret this decision because now I'm far from my tiger and I actually care (laughs) about that tiger. Right. Well, I don't actually regret this decision that much because I can literally teleport and it does not matter. I can teleport. I only regret this for the days when my mood strikes me to fly goddamn eight hours Okay, home. so here's here's something we can, we can talk about. You mentioned moods. This book is very much one of those things where every page Rizika is feeling a different way. I was feeling playful. I was feeling dark. I was feeling angry. I was feeling detached. Right. And so she says it like a couple of times. She's like, my mood shifts like the flickering candle, blah, 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 blah. The shadows on the wall. But that's kind of just an excuse for Mm -hmm. like this next scene to happen in which she doesn't have to be sad because her tiger just died. She can be playful. I know exactly the scene you're chatting about. And it's like, okay, no, I understand people compartmentalize and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah. But also, Tiger just died, but you're going to go out bar hopping now, huh? All right. I know. I know. Rizika's just like, shut up. We process grief in different ways. (laughs) My grief is not your grief. (laughs) We get this mood thing established early on in chapter one. Where, yeah, today I wear... I love I just like flip and there it is. Today I wear black jeans and a black t-shirt. I do not always wear black, but that was the color of my mood today. I do like, like that line that's like Rizika be like, I'm not a stereotype. Sometimes I wear other colors. Sometimes I wear colors. Like later on she's wearing gold, but we don't know this until after the fight. No, she mentions it before. Does she? Okay, I'm I didn't notice sure. that. Mm-hmm. But it's good that I don't have to use aura perception on her to figure out what her mood is. <laughs> I just have to look at her clothing. She dresses accordingly, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's helpful. Yep. Oh, we also get the mirror trick on her. Uh, oh, yeah. The, my, my most detested trope ever in, in fiction, particularly YA fiction. But it was such a common thing that happened back oh, in yeah. stories in the late 90s. Where you look in the mirror and you describe yourself. That way we know what you look like. But honestly, I don't think Rosika would have ever described how she looked otherwise as a oh. character. I mean, maybe not. It could have... It Well, so, like, here's an easy way to do it. Alexander's her twin. Mm-hmm. You just describe Alexander. 
Right. And then you could be like, his hair is lighter than mine or darker than mine or his eyes are purer gold than right. mine. You know, like. And then later on, she like puts the tiger stripes in her hair. Then you're like, yeah, oh, she's also got gold hair, gold eyes. But, you know, late 90s, like you're reading this thing. You're like, what does Riziko look like? What is she wearing? I need to know. Mm, very trope trope. Oh, what else early on? Man, I'm like still on my notes from the first five pages. Um, oh, the, the, I think it's the last thing that I had here. Um, she has a comment about, though I have no re- living relatives that I know of, talking about, like, I'm inheriting things and whatnot. Yeah. And that's such foreshadowing. And that's page five. The first time I read this book, the very first time, I did not pick up on any of the foreshadowing. The Alexander shit just came out of nowhere. And I was just like, the fuck? <laughs> I was just like, all right, Aubrey's taunting her. He's calling her Rachel. He's leaving her roses. It's all a fucking problem. Alexander's alive. He's a fucking tree state witch. What the shit is this? And, well, I think for a first time read, like, that that is how it went for me. Like, which means the book didn't do its job in that regard. On subsequent reads, the little things are everywhere. And having known more than just this book... I can't not read it and know that he's constantly there and doing this shit and being like, Rachel. Yeah, it's the the stuff that sort of leads up to uh, Rizika being like, oh, I have a stalker. Somebody keeps leaving me messages. Somebody keeps doing, I keep feeling somebody around. Yeah, I feel this flicker of an aura, but I don't recognize it. Right. So like it's there, but it's not important because Aubrey's the important part. Right. All eyes on him being like, you're a dick and I hate you. Me. Right. This whole book has this, this vibe where it doesn't have a plot, right? <laughs> like, there's not, there's not really a plot here. This is just it's, sort of a week in the life It's one mood after another. It's her taunting Aubrey and then her being like, shit, shit, what the, I'm so, I'm so ridiculous. Why do I keep doing this? I don't want to do this. I'm going to get in trouble. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck all of him. I hate him. I'm going to go torment him again. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? you just kind of like, okay, this is just a character study. This is a week in the life of Rosika. This is how Rosika went from not talking to anybody. <laughs> how Rosika got her groove back. <laughs> It really is. Like, this is the, the turning point for Rizika's character as a vampire. Like, she gets annoyed. She stands up for herself. The end. Yeah, anybody looking at this from the outside who is not either Aubrey or Rizika are going to be like, he killed her tiger, and then they fought, and he was like, no, don't hurt me. Alright. Yeah. yeah, That the only thing that really happens in the book is... He kills her tiger. Like, mm-hmm. Rizika goes into New York. She hunts on his territory and stuff. And she provokes By accident him. to start. Well, well. Well, the accident. first time, no. She's like, she was like, oops, I didn't mean to. But then this person's like, Aubrey says get out. And then she's like, oh, does he now? Fuck you, I'm eating you now. Right. Like, I say it accidentally in the, the person that she was chasing. But in the same encounter, she intentionally kills his Yeah, guard. she changes targets. So that is not... It becomes intentional after about mm, five minutes. Yeah, she lands and the guy's like, you gotta go, Aubrey doesn't like you. And she's like, well, I don't like him, so... <laughs> straw sucking sound but but yeah so like there's not like a standard kind of plot progression here there's no middle to this book basically it was weird because like i said there were times where i was thinking maybe i'm too tired but then even when i was reading the last of it today i'm like no i'm really just not getting some of this 
and why it's here. There's no middle. It's all talking about beginning and then it's all end. There's nothing in the middle. So it, it's structured like this, right? Razika does some stuff while she's awake. Razika goes to sleep and has a flashback. Razika wakes or up she's even next... just thinking about shit while staring at a rose on her bed. Every other chapter is a flashback. Right. So her whole origin story is that she's a 17-year-old girl in colonial America in 1701. She's 17 years old, and she's got a twin brother named Alexander. Their their mom is dead. Mother died like a couple days after the twins were born. Uh, Dad got remarried uh, within three years. He was married, and the new wife had had a daughter, Lynette. So, like, Lynette is legit her sister. They were two by the time new mom was pregnant and three by the time baby sister was born. So this is their real sister. Not that any other type of sister is not, but like, this isn't like, hello, here's my stepdaughter and I uh, am not interested. They were raised together. Yeah, they grew up together. So there is no sense of not being related. There's, I feel there's importance to this character. Mm-hmm. And we learn that Alexander has powers and he can sometimes hear people's thoughts he can move objects with his mind if he's accident if he's looking at them for too long he might move them he can also like make the fire rise and fall and things like that and his little sister Lynette is cooking dinner and the fire's kind of like reach out and grab her kind of thing and he's like oh shit that was me definitely me oh fuck oh fuck but a couple days before Ather the vampire who changes Rasika he had caught her feeding on Lynette was that before? I thought that was between. Well, either way. One, he thinks he's damned and all that because, like, he accidentally made the fire reach out and hurt his little sister. Two, he catches this creature, this vampire, feeding on his little sister and he hurts Ather to get her to go away and saves Lynette's life. And there's a moment where he's like, I won't let you change Rachel. And Ather's like, well... Which one's it going to be, you know? Which sister matters more to you? So this is why I think Lynette's important and is not, like, she's not given as as much thought in the book because it's Rachel's story. But without her, there's no plot. Well, or rather, I think you can rem- <laughs> you can probably remove her, basically. But as it is, she's important because she's there. Because otherwise, she doesn't get hurt because he's not staring at the fire and she's not there to get hurt. Ather doesn't, like, try to nom upon her, and he doesn't have to, like, make a choice, basically. Well, I mean, she's she's important. She's a plot device. Like, she's there so that there can be a step between Rachel and Alexander. Yes. So that she cannot know about vampires, and so that she cannot experience his powers, like, firsthand, you know? I think that she's important for the way the story is, and the way that Rachel views Alexander, that... If Rachel had been the one who was hurt, if Rachel had been the one who was fed upon, she would not have had this same exact story. Maybe she would have still been a vampire and all that, but it would have been different. She would have been informed. Right. I do, however, think I would have preferred for Lynette not to be important and not be part of the story to tighten everything. I agree. It feels a lot like, because you're restricted to Rachel's point of view, you're obviously not seeing all this stuff happening, but it really feels like there is a whole more important story kind of happening off in the background. Which we're going to notice happens a lot in these books. So I I would change, remove Lynette, or make her more important. Because very easily, we, Lynette could have just actually been their full sister. 
And we could have seen the information of all right, meta knowledge time. Rachel and Alexander's mother was a witch, was a member of the Light family. And her mother, because the twins are now not witches, they're now tree stay witches and which are different witches. Yes, distinct witches, BT tubs. Two kinds of witches, eight kinds of vampires. Um, <laughs> and and Rachel is now a vampire. And Lila, Light, their mother, is dead. There are no more Light witches. I think it would have been more interesting for Lynette to have been, you know, let her still be 14 years old and all that. Let her be the last of the Light witches. Don't destroy the entire Light line. And that way, you know, maybe Alexander is killed during all of this. Maybe he's he's got powers, but so does does Lynette. And she's the one who accidentally made the fire rise up that hurt herself. And she sees Aubrey kill Alexander. And she sees Ather whisk Rachel away and finds her years and years later as a vampire and things like that. There's interesting shit that could be done with Lynette's character if she was a light witch. Mm Because she would also still potentially be alive or even have like... Children. Uh, yeah, children have a whole whole line of them, and then be like, "Oh shit, you know, you're you're my grandmother." Um, th- there are other things too with the way the story is told that I feel like having the colonial era wasn't necessary. I forget what it was, but when I was finishing up reading, oh, it was why Alexander's such a fucking dick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where he's like, "Oh no, you're hurt, you're killing people and hurting people and blood and blah blah blah." And I'm like, "She's three hundred years old, yeah, dude. Like, seriously, what do you think she's been doing?" Yeah, where if this had been set in colonial times entirely, or if she's only 10 years old of a vampire, that it would have made a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Either way, I think Lynette would have been a really more interesting character as a witch and not have ended that line. Also to have the information that she's a fucking child of the light witches, so. God, you don't even find out about the light witches until, what, like two or three books? Yeah, we hear about the light witches in Shattered Mirror, which deals with witches. But we only hear that like, oh, the light witches haven't been around since Lila Light died, you know, centuries ago. We don't get that connection of, and her children became a tree stand of vampire. Oh, hey, they're referencing. Oh my goodness. Rasika was a, was a light witch. No, we don't even get that. Is it, was that just website content? That was website content until, um... You were asking me, did Alexander come back? And I think it was the ghost one, Token of Darkness, okay. but I, I, I don't remember much about that one. I'm pretty sure he shows up. Yeah, I know there's there's some book where he shows up and he is a massive dildo. And he's only there for like a hot second. Right. It's a hot second to be a dick and then he leaves. <laughs> As seems to be his MO. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I know. I remember finding out that they were the light witches and it was like, <gasps> what? Where did yes. this come from? This is information that we got teased in book three that maybe doesn't come out until book ten. I don't know. I mean, and not like it doesn't matter. It's just reference. Mm-hmm. Just these little references and shit, which these books are filled with little references. Yeah. So, I mean, that is kind of one of the things that I enjoy about them is that they are very much like comic book universe, but even more so because, you know, it's one person. They're pretty self self-contained like in this book she's like oh yeah and then there's jessica and this is jessica's deal but anyway so i think all right so on page 99 she's like one of concord's other shadows enters his house a witch but only by heritage as he as he is not trained he is not a threat to me so i feel like that might be someone who's in the same book alexander is in i i don't know 
Um, and then the mess- the mention of Jessica, Concord's young writer, looks out her window. She writes about vampires, but her books are true, though no one understands how she knows what she does. I wonder if I should tell her my story. Perhaps she could write it for me. Perhaps it is my story she writes now. It's literally what happens. She's literally writing this story. Yeah. And she calls the book Tiger Tiger. See, I mean, this is, this is pretty good stuff, right? Like, Right? It wraps in neatly. And I think... I don't know. I, f- I feel like this book and, and Demon are very good together. Like, they attach the world to each other. They do a good job of referencing themselves. I know that Shattered Mirror was a real big departure, because suddenly it was dealing with characters that, like, we barely knew. Like, the there's a char- there's a witch character in book two that comes back a little bit in book three, but I think it would have been more of what it seemed the author was setting up to do, like, now that character is the main character as opposed to still a side character. But, you know, it's it's interesting. And, and it's just strange we never get back to her. Especially considering she, you know, her story started it. Because they do sort of do that in the very last Den of Shadows book. They kind of hit, like, a couple different people. And I remember finishing that and being like, but what about Rosika, though? Yeah, no, like, she's not mentioned. I know that Aubrey got mentioned. Mm-hmm. But not Rosika. Yep. My last note that I made, because mm-hmm. I, I stopped reading it at my computer, is that Alexander is a dick. Yeah. So the very end, Aubrey has killed the tiger in a dickish way, too. Like, not just, like, killed the tiger. Because we learned that they could kill a human with their mind powers, mm-hmm. but they always choose to, like, stalk them and then eat from them and shit like that. He could have just been like, mm, Tiger's fucking dead now. At yep. any point, from any fucking distance, as far as I could tell. <laughs> Instead, he kills the guard outside, breaks the tiger's, like, fucking signpost, bends the goddamn bars, binds the tiger's paws together, and stabs her in the fucking heart. Yeah, it's pretty rough, Aubrey. This poor fucking tiger. Yeah. She did not deserve that no, shit. No, she didn't. She did not. Poor baby tiger. Yeah. Anyway, he's killed the tiger because Aubrey's a dick. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, I'm sorry, Rasika goes to fight him in one of the hidden vampire cities. Yeah, that's kind of just a big thing they just casually drop, huh? Uh-huh. It's like, oh, by the way, hidden city. Which we saw briefly in one of the past flashback kind of things where Ather takes Ra- Rachel, Rasika out. Or rather, they're in this town, because that's yeah. where Arthur has a house. And then just, like, whoops, brings her to, like, you know, feed on some women who have been accused of witchcraft. But, like, yeah, it just kind of dropped. And then also, it was mayhem, but now it's new mayhem, because I guess it burned down a couple years after I visited. Okay. Yeah, this whatever. No, what I I find interesting about that is that both times, uh, Ruzika mentions that there are a lot of vampires here, that a lot of vampires, including her entire line except for her. Yeah. All live in this town. And I just, I feel like that's too many egos in too confined a space. I'm like, how do you people survive living with, especially given how like prone to just sort of getting into fights all of these guys are? They're like angry, horny cats. Whether or not they want to be fucking (laughs) each other. That's the, that's the attitude that they have. They're just angry, horny cats. And they're just gonna be like, yeah. 
How do you guys live in this this town? Which One can't town be that big, like where all your houses are black with white shutters. Oh my god, none more goth, right? I love mm, that. Super goth, so moody and atmospheric, so and like goth. the friggin' the clubs and the cafes. Like I don't think that at the time the author knew what a cafe was. <laughs> Because none of them seem like cafes. You're like, oh, it's like a cafe, but a club. I'm like, ah, that's not a thing. Also, the cafe, cafe's name, by the way, Cafe Sangra. 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 Yeah, isn't that just like Cafe Blood? Cafe Blood. And then the club called Las Noches. The Night. The Night. Like, yeah, all right. Yep. Yes, it's 13. But honestly, I would be super excited if it was just called Cafe Blood. Oh, yeah. That would be even better. Because then it could be like a fucking over-the-top vampire yeah. place. Yeah. But no, I just, little touches like that where it's just like, yeah, this is great. Oh man, and like how, I think it was Cafe Sangro where it was like, the whole place is lit by one fucking candle and Oh a my god, yes, that is my best favorite detail. <laughs> it's so amazing. There's, so literally, literally, and literally. I say literally, I mean literally. She it says walks it. into this cafe, there is one candle in a corner. The rest of it is dark, and she's just like, mm, vampires don't mind, because we can see perfectly well in any kind of light. Miles and but miles it might be, and miles. <laughs> it might be confusing for a human to be in. I'm like, you fucking idiots. Right? <laughs> We're going to just light it by one candle. We're just going to put one. That doesn't make you cool, okay? Right? Las Noches is, like, all strobing red light, mm-hmm. and everything is dark. Right. Beyond these fucking blood-red strobes. That's fine. You're in a vampire club. You're in a blade club. I get it. Like, you're in a blade club. I understand Blood's gonna going pour for. from the sprinklers anyway right. now, children. But just the idea that there's a cafe, and you walk in, and it's pitch black. And, like, and you're like, hello, I'd like a fucking espresso. <laughs> is anybody working? Vanilla latte, please. You just hear like music, and I presume people moving in the background. You're just like, I'm gonna go. So what's really super interesting to you is that like because this takes place in the the mid to late nineties, mm-hmm. there's no fucking technology. Like when she goes to a regular cafe in Concord, women are talking about an article they read in a newspaper, and I'm just like, oh, the nineties. <laughs> Nobody's on their cell phone or their laptop. They're just yeah. Where now? Could you imagine? Last Night Chase is like lit or not. Cafe Blood is lit by one candle and everybody's fucking laptops. <laughs> everybody's phone. Yeah. You know, yep. that's what we got going on. And Rasika and Aubrey sending fucking passive aggressive texts. <laughs> yeah, so fucking New Mayhem is a ridiculous place. I just, I love, because I know we talked about it the last time that we read Midnight Predator, but just the ridiculous ways that these vampires decorate their homes and their buildings. Oh, right. Ather's house where, like, Rasika wakes, Rachel wakes up in a room that's all glass. And she's like, wow, it's so dark in here. But, like, it's all glass. I must be blind. And then, like, Ather opens the door and it's just, no, there's no windows and it's all mirrors. Yep. And then, like, like again, they go outside Ather's house and it's a black house with white shutters. White, sh- white there's shutters. There's that whole thing that Nicholas has about black and oh, white. black and white. And then Midnight is black and red. I'm just, you guys. Yeah. You, you guys. guys. Come on. You guys. You vampires. vampires. You nerds. Right? <laughs> Little vampire nerds. You think that they're so, so hidden. It really makes being a hunter easy. It really does. <laughs> 
actually does. You just look for the gothest house on the street. And you're and like, you go yeah. up and you're like, hello, I would like to have, meet you at noon. Oh, you didn't show? You're definitely a vampire. I feel like it totally, especially if like, because Nicholas does that thing where he hosts a bunch of parties. Like, mm-hmm. you walk into that party and you see that it's like everything is black and white. You're like, yeah, this is Nicholas. I'm in the right place. I just love how fucking over the top and ridiculous these vampires are and how they all dress it up as being like, this is just the way we are. Okay. Well, and just like, this is my personal philosophy and art form or whatever. It's just, you guys are all so cute and ridiculous. You're all just 15. You are, you are, you (laughs) all vampires are just 15 and super moody. So angst. Right, and like a lot of them are like like even Jagger, aka oh Jagger. Oh my god, I he's know he's eighteen eternally, and yet he comes across as such a dad, which is good because it means he at least like comes across as you're a vampire with like history. Yeah, you're you're older and more mature than the rest of these <laughs> idiots. Right, I love that he just like shows up. So there's a fight in Las Noches, um, between Aubrey and Rasika. Finally, he just shows up. Him and his fledgling Fala, and they just watch. Yeah, right. I know. What I love is that, it's, again, it goes back to, like, the angry, horny cats thing. Rizika and Aubrey are fighting, and Fala's just sitting on the table watching them. And Rizika gets thrown into Fala's table, and Fala, like, psychically slaps her, and that almost <laughs> makes her die. I'm like, Fala! Which is the equivalent of when a cat gets pissed at something and goes, <laughs> with her paws, just, like, real fast. <laughs> I just love it because like Fala, you're watching this. You know what's going on. You know she didn't do that to provoke you, but Fala's right? just so she's not pissy. doing it on purpose. But you're just a fucking pissy-tailed cat. <laughs> it's great. And then after she wins the fight, right, and Rizika's leaving, she's like, mm, "Fala, you don't remember your fucking angry cat slaps almost killing me." And then she slaps <laughs> her back. And, and Fala like immediately. I love the descriptions like gracelessly. Yeah. And then she's just like whoop. She right out of there. Teleports away. She's like, nope, not getting in on that. Nope. And like, for me, that was unfortunate from the the girl hate perspective because that was one of those moments. Because otherwise, it's a hilarious moment. <laughs> yes. Being like, remember when I was fighting and you got mad at me? Smack. You saw me coming. Mm-hmm. You could have moved. You can literally teleport with your mind. <laughs> just well, just being like, no, keep your fight like five feet away from my table. I just, I love that, because, like, they constantly demonstrate, like, how pissy and petty they are. <laughs> pissy is the perfect word. It is. Ah. <sighs> right, Alexander's a dick. That was my note. Okay, um, yeah. So, they fight, and then Aubrey's like, no, wait, please, look, uh, how about you just drink from me instead of killing me? And she's like, you do realize that I will then be able to, like, read your fucking mind, you won't be able to prevent me from doing shit, I'll always be one step ahead of you, and he's like, preferable to death. Right, Aubrey, no pride. No pride. Which is why she's such an unreliable narrator. Um, and then everybody fucking leaves the goddamn club, and there's one person left, and it's fucking Alexander. He's all like, here, wait, no, because I gotta read this shit, because it's only like (laughs) two pages. Yeah. Tossing a black strand of hair off my face, note she has taken the stripes, illusory, 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 and put them into her hair to commemorate the poor tiger. Otherwise her hair is gold. I feel for the first time a familiar aura in the back of the room. I remember it from a letter I received recently, a letter with a tear stain on the page. It wasn't just a tear stain. Nope. Right? Like, it was, like, blurred. You couldn't read that shit. 
So my stalker would visit me in person, I say to his back. In this light, the blonde hair looks almost exactly as my own once did. I reach out with my mind, and even though I cannot read him, I realize what he is. I remember the Triste Witch who had been in Café Sangra. I'm sorry, the Café Sangra. Who had given a note for Rachel to his vampiric victim. I did not think much about it at the moment, but now I wish I had. I swear, suddenly realizing the truth I should have realized long ago. That's bad writing. I was hoping I could convince you not to follow those creatures. But I guess it's too late, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, about 300 years, 300 years too a dick. I remember wondering why I never heard him fall. Rachel, he starts to say. Alexander, don't talk to me. He has waited 300 years to tell me he is alive? I damned myself years ago. I had, or thought I had, nothing left to lose then. All the years I was alone. All the pain he could have spared me. What pain has he known? I never went back to my father because I did not want him to see what I had become. Had I known my twin was alive and immortal like me, would I have chosen to spend the years with him? Would he choose to spend them with me, knowing I'm a monster? He turns around, and for a moment I look into golden eyes that are mirror reflections of my own. But then he looks past me, at the area where Aubrey and I fought. I see Alexander's gaze linger on the blood that pooled on the ground when I cut open Aubrey's shoulder. Why? He finally asks, Ugh. his voice soft. There had to be some other way to deal with this. Mm-hmm. I look into Alexander's eyes again and see the judgment there. It does not matter that I am his sister. He does think I am a monster. <sighs> I laugh, and Alexander flinches because it is a bitter sound. Would you rather I just let Aubrey get away with it? I say. I thought he killed you, you know. Did you want me to just forget that? Or did you think I could turn the other cheek and ignore murder? Alexander looks away for a moment, pain filling his features as he hears my scornful use of words from the Bible, which he always held so dear when we were children. I thought you would hate me for what I had done, he says. And just what have you done? He pauses, shaking his head, and then reluctantly meets my gaze. After Lynette was burnt, I would have done anything to protect her. I prayed that I would learn how to control my power and... He takes a deep breath, steadying himself. A woman heard me praying. A triste. She taught me more than I ever wanted to know about the vampires and every other monster on this earth. I listened because she taught me how to use my gifts. From a curse to a gift, I think. Does he still consider himself damned? A few nights before Ather changed you, I caught her trying to feed off Lynette. I stopped her, but I can guess the rest of the story. Ather is too proud to let anyone take away her prey without seeking revenge. She changed me to hurt Alexander because my faithful brother would be torn apart by his sister's damnation. Alexander pulls his gaze from mine, and this time it falls to Aubrey's blood on my hands. Rachel, how could you do that? I never thought I'd see you with blood on you, willing to kill another. You walk with them as if you are one of them. I could argue. After all, I did not kill Aubrey. But I do not. I loved Alexander long ago, and I suppose I still do. But things have changed in 300 years. <laughs> At least, I have changed. Alexander does not understand. He tried to protect me once. He tried to keep me away from the darkness and death because he did not want Ather to change me into what I am now. 
He tried, but he did not succeed, and there's no way to undo the damage that has been done since. I have been a monster too long, and as much as I care about him, I cannot change my nature now. My golden brother still does not belong in this dark world. His sister is dead, long dead, and I cannot bring her back to protect him from all the pain I know seeing me has given him. The only way I can protect him now is to make sure he never understands how easy killing can become. Alexander, listen closely. Rachel is dead, I say, forcing my voice to be cold so that he will not argue. I speak quietly, driving my words to his brain. I am one of them. I consider the words as I say them. It is true, I am one of them. But no one, not Aubrey, not Ather, not my father or brother, controls me now. I could have killed Aubrey. I could have used my strength to be like him. But I remembered my humanity. I am one of them, but I am also Rachel. I am Rasika. That's how the book ends, but also, like, y'all can hear what a fucking dick, even though I gave extra inflection. Alexander is a dick. Okay, so listen, I really like the idea that you think you lost your twin brother, better if it's twin sister, you think you mm-hmm, lost your twin, twin brother forever, you've been years. walking as a vampire, like, sulking and brooding for 300 years, you hate your existence, Trying to blah, avenge, blah, 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 blah. Like, the scar Aubrey gave you and everything it represents, which is your twin being murdered by him. And then you find out, holy shit, you've been alive, also immortal all this time. Holy shit, we could have spent so much time together. I could have been a different person. Right? I would have been like, why, dude? Why? This is good drama. And like, there's poignance about it, right? But also, there is no fucking reason (laughs) that Alexander should have been separate for this long. There's no, nothing. 300 years. 300 years. And Rizika like, is very easy to find. Yeah, she really is. Like, even if she moved around, he would have very easily been able to learn that, yeah, Ather has a new fr- fledgling called Rizika. What was the time period? Uh-huh. What does she look like? Uh, yeah, that's so totally my sister. She did right. exactly what I thought she would do. Right. There's no indication of why it took Alexander this long to find her. Mm-hmm. And then... He shows up. Because he knew. He knew that Ather was going to change her to fucking get to him. Yeah, exactly. Then he shows up and he acts like she should have been the same for 300 years. You shouldn't hurt people, sister. Right? Like, dude, she's been a vampire for a really long time. You're lucky she's not worse. It's mind-boggling from, like, this goes beyond just being, like, Alexander's a dick, which obviously he is. But, like, it doesn't make sense on a structural level. Like, he shouldn't. Unless he is so... Right. I think that 10 years is about as long as I can buy it. I agree. That he's been like, he had to go train to be a tree stay with Pandora is the name of his teacher we find later. He had to go train with her. It was a very painful process. Blah, blah, blah. Like, and then maybe he had to try to find her and shit. Like, okay, fine. 10 right. years is about all I can give you. But 300 is fucking absurd. There's no sense there. It completely strains. Any sort of emotional whatever you're supposed to get from this resolution is just like, what mm-hmm. you were expecting? What? It's been how long? No. Right. And also the fact that it ends in the middle of a scene. Right? Like, he doesn't even leave. I was trying to no. read up to the point where he leaves, and I'm like, oh, wait, no. He doesn't leave. No, it just ends <laughs> Whoops, in the I middle got to of the their end. conversation. I'm not Rachel, your sister's dead. Cut to credits, and Rizika and Alexander are still standing there. And they're like, so that was the end of the script. I got nothing. 
Right? And this is not a what happens in a good way. This is just like, no, you just cut off in the middle of that scene right there. This is emotions. This is drama. This is the point we want. We're like, Rachel's dead. I'm one of them. Blah, blah, blah. I am Rachel. I am Rasika. He should be like, no, you're my sister and you're good. Or he should be like, yeah, you know, you're kind of an asshole now because you kill people. And for her to be like, dick, I will cut you. I mean, or just any sort of, like, hey, we're both still alive. Like, clearly we have some mm, philosophical differences. But yeah. also just, like, we're seeing each other for the first time. In Are we gonna... years! And he definitely knew she was alive. Like, did he think she could just fend off feeding for 300 years? Right, and it's just like, are we gonna, are we gonna see each other again? Are you gonna try right. to hunt me is now? This, like, me what, what is our relationship from here on? Can I send you a fruitcake? <laughs> do you even need to eat? Wait, yes, you do. It's just there's so much, so many question marks at the end of this, and like again, I appreciate thematically, like I'm not gonna let anybody else define me, blah blah blah. Like that's good stuff, but also, right. like textually, we're in the middle of a conversation here, dude. Yeah, I think that to change the ending, I would have her say some of that shit out loud that she kept inside. Because that's usually my complaint with stories, is that characters don't say the shit inside, they say other stuff outside. And I'm like, how about we just put quotes around that? <laughs> and you actually said it. Because that usually makes for better drama. Right, like that very like thing that you read where she's like... I didn't kill Aubrey, and I don't say that. Like, why not? You had the opportunity to kill Aubrey. He was watching you, and you let Aubrey go. And then also, uh, hello, fuck you, it's been 300 years, what do you think I've been doing? Right. And if he then is like, well, um, uh, you're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I got nothing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You could have found me, you knew, you just said that Ather wanted to change me to get back at you, so fuck you, like. Like, that dude maybe has been torturing me for 300 years, you don't know my life. Like, don't uh-huh. judge me don't you for standing judge me. up for myself. I did this for you and for me, so, and now you're not dead, so I guess I didn't do it for you. Right? It's just such wild judgment from Alex in a completely, like, incomprehensible way. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Unless, unless Alexander is just that big of a dick. I think he's just that big of a dick, honestly. <laughs> I think that... In the beginning, he wasn't that big of a dick, but then, like, 300 years has, in fact, changed him. Because she's all like, he hasn't been changed, no. And I'm like, yes. No, no, he has. Yes, he's been a he tryst a vampire hunter for 300 years, girl. Yeah. You know, I guess that's fair. That, like, her same, like, reluctance to bring him into the dark is like, okay, you guys are both stupid. You've been holding on to this image of each other for 300 yeah. years. Honestly, she gives him so much credit in the the two pages or so that Mm -hmm, I read there, mm -hmm. where it's like, my golden brother, oh, he doesn't belong in the dark, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's been murdering vampires, right? He gave that one dude, like, a vampire plague, man. Yeah, you know what he does. Like, he's not the special triste who doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, you're not the special vampire who doesn't. You talk to one of his victims. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm, you've seen what he does. So... She's all, like, very forgiving of him, where, like, not forgiving of herself. She's all like, I am a monster. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, the more internalized misogyny bullshit, where she should just say out loud, how about, screw you, I do what I want, you haven't been around, talk to me when you're ready to apologize for not approaching me, I don't know, 275 years ago, maybe even? It's also super interesting that she's so forgiving of him and, and sees him as like, oh, you're innocent. You don't belong in this dark world. Meanwhile, he's like, yeah, you're a monster. <laughs> right? 
I would be like, ooh, we're not friends. <laughs> right. It's like, all right, uh, I guess you have not evolved in 300 years. Do you still yeah. think women wearing pants is a bad thing? I got you. <laughs> Which is pretty much how he comes across. He comes across as this, like, super old school dude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like, I never thought I'd see you with blood on your hands. I'm a literal vampire and I'm still alive. So clearly that, that happened at some point. How I survive. <laughs> How exactly do you think this went down, Alexander? (laughs) I've just been, like, living off air. Right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and and it's, like, that's the sort of thing that you kind of get away with in other vampire stories where, like, oh, I'm a vampire vegetarian. I only eat animals. But, like, that's not a thing. No, she doesn't. Like, at all. I love that. There's never a moment where it's, like... Oh, I'm in the woods and I'm living off of animals. No. Like, no. She'll, like, feed on someone but not feed for a couple of days and they'll only be, like, thieves and shit. It's great that she at no point goes, I guess I'll just, like, hunt down a deer and eat that and that'll be fine. Right. And that's not, like, that. just the idea of vampires who don't feed on people is not really a thing in this world. Like, they yeah. just do. Even the good ones are just like, you know, I just eat people. Man. I'll take a little bit. I've got people who, you know, I've got a whole bunch of people who will let me take a little bit and it's fine. I don't right. have to kill. Yeah. That's about it, is that there are vampires who don't kill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But other than that... That's not a thing, not a... Alexander. You know that's mm-hmm. not a thing. <laughs> Rachel! <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, you guys need Fuck to Fuck off with your up. man pain. <laughs> also, Damn. that's an interesting idea. So, like, Alexander is immortal, but just to say that he stopped aging at any certain age, so is he still, like, 17 too? Yeah, the same thing from what I remember. All of the immortals stop aging. Even the shapeshifters who are not necessarily immortal, they all just kind of stop aging. Everyone in these books is like fucking 18. Um, wanted to say a thing. Which character was talking about? Oh, alright, Aubrey. Mm -hmm. So, I don't remember if it was website information or, um, in the second book. But it would either be one of those. There was something about how Aubrey, every time he interacted with Rasika, was actually trying to help her not be, like, prey, essentially. And reading this book with that understanding that, like, no, every time he's interacting with her, it's just to kind of, like, fucking help the baby bird out of the nest. I see it. Okay. I did not know this, but okay. So it must have been website info. Probably. Um... So when he shows up in uh, the, App- the Appalachians, right, and she's got somebody there and he's like, Ather wants to see you. And she's like, fuck her, I don't want to see her. And they fight and stuff. It's him trying to get her to kind of like be angry about a thing, basically, right? Just just come come back to the fold and all that. So that time he he's just trying to give her something to like be pissed off about so that she will interact with humans again or interact with vampires again because otherwise she would have just kept doing that right she would have just kept taking a human running off not interacting with anybody which she kind of still mostly did i find her to be a very unreliable narrator she tells us this is how my kind are and i'm like how the fuck you know that you don't interact with anybody you told me this but then later when she's back in concord and checking in on her father which inconsistency. I never went back again. Except for that one time three years later when I interacted with Aubrey. And it was pretty significant. You know, my dad saw yeah, him yeah. Like, eating so, his wife, so... Right? Like, he, he kind of did go back once. He shows up and she hasn't fed in days. And she's watching and he uses the new stepmom that she's never met to bait her into eating again. And after that, she never 
lets herself go too long. And that was, again, him being like, kid, you haven't fucking eaten. You need to fucking do this. Is this the only way I can get you to understand what you're doing to yourself and that you're going to get yourself killed and all that shit? So I found that really interesting to be reading it with that kind of information. Because even though he's a dick about things, he's not going about it in a way that is consensual. He's not nice about it. He's not like, well, you know, you really need to do this, that, or the other thing. (laughs) He's very, like, school of hard knocks. Without him, she probably would have ended up in, if there's any kind of torpor in this world, in fucking torpor in the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting perspective, and it definitely helps kind of smooth into... The next book where Aubrey is a protagonist slash love interest. Yeah. Where if you just read this book and then go into the next book, it is real whiplash because he is the unambiguous villain of this book. He is Mm -hmm. a right dick. Uh, mm-hmm. to Rizika. He kills the tiger in a real like that has, that, way. Yeah, and I feel like that lesson was don't love things. <laughs> Which he then goes and does in book two. So if you go from this book to that book, it's like, well, these are very different people. Yeah. But if you know that he's trying to do this shit to help her be a better vampire, you're like, okay. And then, yeah, and then it's a little more like characterization consistency yeah there's a lot of stuff that i wish was in the book as opposed to in other books or on the websites yeah but it is an interesting uh example of like you said a reliable narrator and then also just like aubrey is the villain of rizika's life yep it's 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 very interesting and and she's also just sort of like ah he's this way he's that way and it's like you don't know that you've met him literally three times (laughs) i feel like she's fought him three times i do feel like aubrey pops in now and then to be like hey rizika i hate you no what's up he's not she says they he she only saw him twice after the first night so i guess she's met him four times the night when he handed her the rose the night she got changed and she thought he killed her brother, the night in the mountains, and the night with her where she like fed on her stepmom. Didi, I could have sworn she said she 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 said him I've twice. only. Mm, she did say she fought him twice, but she also kind of said like every time they met, they fought. I got the understanding that she didn't interact with him ever. Well, she did say she goes out of her way to not interact with him. I yeah. just sort of it was just so... it would be great if there were other times because. She says she doesn't talk to anybody, but then she says she understands everything about how the vampires interact and work and what, you know, this is the way we are. And then Aubrey's this way, Aubrey's that way. And it's like, you've only interacted with him four times. (laughs) I just sort of imagine, like, the way that he does with the mom, where she's just sort of lurking outside the house and Aubrey just shows up and he's like, hey, you should eat. And then she's like, whoop, I'm out of here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I just sort of imagine that happening. Like, every ten years, she'll be just, like, doing something, and I was just like, hey, you gonna eat that? This dude again. You gonna you gonna eat that? If not, I will. <laughs> I'll eat it. Mom! Rasika yeah. won't finish her food, and she won't let me eat. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. It is. It is. Because there's... This could have been another 50 pages to flesh out a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's 147. And, and it's we're fine. okay with that. Yeah, it's fine. It does its job. Uh, so there was something I wanted to do. Yes. The only, literally the only note that I have that wasn't just like stupid snarking. Uh, <laughs> if you'll flip with me to page 126. So starting at the top of the page, just the dialogue. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. 
Okay. This is in the middle of, like, uh, Ruzika is going to Las Noches to prod Aubrey into a fight. This is her confronting him. This is taunting. This is, so basically this is what everybody else would see because they're not privy to her internal monologue. Or rather, hear. Yes. Yes, this is what people hear. Okay. So Ruzika says, You're like a child, Aubrey. The neighborhood bully, I suppose. You can terrorize humans and children, but what would happen if someone fought you who knew what they were doing? Get out, Rusika. I don't want to fight you again. We've done this before. We've done this before, have we? Where's your fancy blade then, Aubrey? You offered it to me and asked me to kill you if I could. I think I deserve a second chance. Why do you feel compelled to challenge me again, Rasika? You still wear the scar I gave you last time. Are you so determined to bear another? I wear this scar as a sign that I will one day repay it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, Aubrey. I will avenge this scar and every scar you've put into my heart. Really? How, Rasika? I am far older than you. Does it matter, Aubrey? Perhaps not. But I am meaner, Rasika, and I am deadlier. A viper, hidden in the grass. A garden snake, Aubrey, hiding in the grass. I'm not weak anymore, but I think you are. Okay, so like... Every Rasika, Aubrey, Rasika, Aubrey. Every line. I'm glad you noticed that too. Rasika, Aubrey, Aubrey. Rasika, Aubrey. Aubrey. She does it later with Jaeger too, where he's like, blah, 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 Rasika, blah, 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 blah Jaeger. Jaeger. Yep. I hate that. I hate when <laughs> characters say so names good. repeatedly. Oh, it's so dramatic. I was so just imagining dramatic. like somebody saying that Rasika, Aubrey, Rasika, Aubrey. Rizika. Fucking get a room. Get a room, right? you two. Seriously. And I know word of God is that no, 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 they're like angry siblings. It's like, no, no. Yeah, no. but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. But you're just too close to the material to see what everybody else is seeing. Yeah. And there's like at the end of it, when Ruzika gets the chance to like bite him and stuff, she's like straddling him like onto his mm-hmm. neck. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Keep going. You bite that neck. What next? Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's see. Hold on. <laughs> So in the following bit, Rasika, Aubrey, 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 Rasika, Aubrey, Rasika, Rasika, Aubrey, Aubrey, Rasika, Aubrey, Rasika, yep, Aubrey, Aubrey. That's it. Yep. Okay. That's how many more times in the course of that fight they say each other's names. <laughs> that deal with shapeshifters. Okay. Okay. So this is information that you won't get out of this book as we have. All right. The golden eyes and the golden hair thing. Mm -hmm. How are the light witches not related to the fucking royal hawks with their golden eyes and their golden hair? Listen, sometimes you just have an aesthetic thing that you like and it comes up a lot. (laughs) And as an author, you're just like, hmm. Gold hair, gold eyes. Yep. These ones, also gold hair, yep. gold eyes. Gold hair, gold eyes. No, because see, I think, headcanon-wise, I think that some fucking boy princeling hawk had a babby with a witch, and this is the lineage that resulted. 
Okay. That's my headcanon. You can't tell me otherwise. Because there ain't no word of God on that. It's like the headcanon that Raven is a cobra. Oh, yeah, totally. She's totally a fucking cobra mm-hmm. with her goddamn garnet eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also the fact that, like, she just kind of naturally turns into a golden hawk. <laughs> mm, you just happen to turn into a golden hawk, and you happen <laughs> to have golden eyes and golden hair, and you've got interesting powers, and what? Fuck you guys. Your light witches are totally some illegitimate heirs to the avian throne. See, I think it's this, like, this proto thing where you can see the author sort of working out their stuff. In their oh, earlier yeah. series. Like, you know, we read the L.J. Smith stuff, and you can see, like, oh, this is where it turns into Night World. This is what turns mm-hmm. into Forbidden Game. It's just like, yeah, this is my thing, and I like golden hair and golden eyes, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just gonna work through this. And twins. And twins, yep. Lots of so twins. So many twins. But, I mean, otherwise, if I'm looking at this world as a whole world, then there's zero explanation for that beyond the one I just gave. <laughs> <laughs> Which is illegitimate children. Yep. Alright, the other meta note comes down word of God wise from uh website info is that Ather was a member of the Frectane clan. Yeah. I think it was that she was in the same wolf clan that Betia mm-hmm. she is up in Wolf's Cry, right? Yeah, like she's very like Lameta or something like that something with an L she's very briefly there and knowing this information this is the first time I've read this book with that information Mm -hmm. you can see it and I'm not sure like if this was really like in the author's head at the time or if it was just this makes sense and I knew she was some kind of shapeshifter originally blah 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 you know like oh hey yeah no reason for her not to be a member of this this wolf tribe but all of the information she gives to Rasika about, like, you gotta fucking hunt or be hunted. You know, wolves uh, attack their prey. Like, she mentions animals a lot. She's all about, like, you're gonna be strong or you're gonna get killed. So and anybody who's reading this, this book after listening to this, I mean, granted, you've got all kinds of spoilers. But that bit of information with this character... You can you can definitely kind of see it there that she is surrounding herself with strong people because she wants her wolf tribe, her vampire tribe, to be strong. She doesn't want to have anybody who's going to get picked off. Yeah, that makes and, sense. Yeah, and I think it's 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 a very interesting thing. Again, I'm not sure if when writing the story, all of that information was in the author's head at the mm-hmm. time, but it's there enough. So I thought that was pretty neat. I think it would have been even better if we had seen her turn into a wolf the same way we see Rasika turn into a hawk. Mm-hmm. I wish we knew what Aubrey turns into, because <laughs> clearly everybody can turn into something in this fucking line of vampires. I would definitely turn into a wolf in the next one. Maybe. I don't remember. It's been so long. I don't remember either. He seems like a wolf type. A wolf or a, or a snake. Or a snake, yes. One of the two the viper imagery on his is body. a lot with him. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so I thought that was that was kind of interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, I remember when uh, the Kishara was coming out and uh, on the site they were like, yeah, there's going to be somebody from... The earlier books in the Keisha Roth. Yeah, but as like a hot second ago. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, that was nothing. <laughs> right? That always made me frustrated. <laughs> Where it was like, somebody's in here. And you're like, but not really. No, not really. They don't even I... have like the same name. You would literally not be able to tell. 
Right? Like, if the character at least had had the same name, or been like, oh no, she got taken by a fucking vampire last year. Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing where if you have to be on a website chatting with an author or following information that they're posting up, if I can't just read a book, then it's not part of the series. Right. It's just kind of secret little fan nuggets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, that is, that's all I got on... On those little meta notes, otherwise, short, simple, to the point, yet we somehow managed to talk for like two and a half hours. Yeah, God. Well, that's us, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I enjoyed rereading it. There's definitely some, you know, some angst, some things that you are like, very young, it's fine. Um, But no, I thought it held up a lot better than I was expecting. I expected it to be... Way more just kind of eye rolly and cringy, but I know it's pretty good. Right? I mean, maybe it's because we're coming off of fucking alive on the inside, <laughs> but I at no point was like super eye rolly, it was more just like, yeah, okay, yep, yeah. that's that's the way this character is. You're you're a little angsty teenager, mm-hmm. we get it, you're all dark and ooky spooky, yeah, no, and it's good, very it has a very unique feeling to it, yeah, anyway. Uh, so yeah, this is that's the book. Uh, this that's the book, kids. <laughs> um. So what are we doing next time, Ollie? Next time on Backlist and Chill, we're gonna be talking about the second book in the Den of Shadows series. It's called Demon in My View. Mm-hmm. Uh, picks up a couple years after this book. It has shit all to do with Rasika. This is not a series that you have to necessarily read in order. So you can just pick up Demon in my view and give that a read. Nope. Everybody um, wave goodbye to Rasika. You will not be hearing from her again. You'll like see her name like three times. <laughs> Hope you liked her at her turning point. Yeah. She was fun. I liked her. Mm-hmm. She's badass. Uh, yeah, so we'll be taking uh, things up with Aubrey. We'll be involved heavily in that one. And our young writer in Concord, Jessica. I am very curious to see how Jessica holds up. The last time I reread it, I did not like that book. I liked this one a lot more. Yeah, I have the sinking suspicion that I may end up hating her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So... So my last time reading it, I thought the two of them were basically fucking perfect for each other because I loathed them both. (laughs) (laughs) And that Karen should have been the protagonist (laughs) and got a bad rap because she was a witch and the main characters were like, you're party pooper, you poop at parties, me. (laughs) I think that's that book in a nutshell. Yep, so I'm expecting it to be more of the same. Yep, we will see. So, I'm team Karen, <laughs> but just Karen, just for herself. Yeah. Alright, so uh, where can people find us, Sally? Well, if they're looking for Backlist and Chill, they can find us on Twitter at Backlist Podcast. You can find me there at Olivia Hennis, H-E-N-N-I-S. For the moment. Uh, for the moment <laughs> until I go underground <laughs> uh, you can find us on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash backlist and chill and you can find me on Twitter at endless underscore run for the moment <laughs> for the moment <laughs> puff of smoke goodbye Poof, we're gone <laughs> we're, 
you all, and we hope you are enjoying season two. It's gonna be a wild ride. Yep. See you later. Bye.